Hey everybody, Chris here. Before we get started in the spirit of the holiday season, I wanted to offer you guys a couple of specials from companies that I've featured on this podcast who are also friends of the podcast, friends of the power company, and members of our online community. Um, All of these codes that I'm going to give you are all caps, and all of these are good until December 15th. Um, The first one we've got from Tension Climbing, Uh, they're giving us 15% off of all of their flash boards, grindstone and grindstone pro boards. In my opinion, the best hang boards on the market. They're also guaranteeing Christmas delivery in the USA only. The code for those guys at tensionclimbing.com is CRUSHMAS, C-R-U-S-H-M-A-S, all caps. That's 15% off. Go check them out. Second one I've got is from Rhino Skin Solutions. They are giving us 20% off of all of their products, and that uses the code MACHINES, all caps, again. Uh, You can go to rhinoskinsolutions.com. Check out the Power Company pack while you're there, uh, the Power Company performance pack. Also, um, we at powercompanyclimbing.com are giving you 20% off of all of our physical products. That's the journals. Uh, shirts that we have left, there aren't many, and our finger care kits, which are brand new on the website as of today. If you use the code EAGLES, that's all caps, 20% off of those physical products until December 15th. Please go support those companies. Um, We love those guys. They're friends of ours. And while I don't have sponsors on this podcast, I can offer you guys this because, well, it's my podcast. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. This time, this time, this time, this What's up, everybody? I'm your host, Chris Hampton. Welcome to episode 67 of the Power Company podcast, brought to you by PowerCompanyClimbing.com, as always. Um, I am packing up right now, pretty much as we speak, uh, to head to Knoxville. I leave tomorrow, headed that way. Um, We're going to be at Onsite Rock Gym. If any of you Tennessee folks want to come out and see us, I would love that. Uh, We'll be there December 5th doing our group session, which is basically just Nate and I come in, we hang out, we answer questions, we offer advice if you're open to it. And um, it's just a bouldering session with us. Um, kind of a fun way to get to know the community. All it costs you is the, the your membership or a day pass at the gym, whichever it is. Um, we're also doing our applied body tension on the 7th. Um, so we would love for you guys to come out for that one. There's a limited number of spots in that one. Um, so go to Onsite Rock Gym's website, uh, onsiterockgym.com, and sign up. It feels like I've been traveling a ton, partly because I have. Um, I just got back from Bozeman, where Nate and I were at uh, Spire Climbing Gym and had a really amazing time there. And while there, I sat down and recorded a conversation with a pillar in the community there, Kelsey K. Sather. Um, She's a setter at the gym. She's also a really brilliant writer uh, who writes a blog called These Words Like Rocks, and you can find that at kelseykaysather.com. And I was particularly interested in talking to Kelsey about uh, a series on her blog called The Work Behind the Body, Um, where she talks with uh, local outdoor athlete women and and they delve into the subject of body image a little bit and and that's something that I was interested in learning more about you know as a coach as a partner as a friend uh, it's something that I need to be more aware of because honestly it's something that I'm just not that aware of beyond the cursory I know that it exists in the climbing community that there are you know, struggles with body image and the, you know, the greater community beyond the climbing community as well. And, uh, you know, I've been fortunate enough to work with several of the women featured in the work behind the body. 
uh, perhaps most notably Inga Perkins, who was a friend of mine and a really exceptional athlete that I was privileged to coach the last couple of years. And Inga passed away uh, in an avalanche uh, not too long ago. And most of you have heard about that. And and Kelsey wrote a really great tribute to Inga. Inga was part of that Bozeman community. And one of the reasons I wanted to go and meet that community. Um, so if you get the chance, go to KelseyKSather.com. Read that tribute to Inga, please. It really captures Inga's spirit and who she was. And also check out the Work Behind the Body series that we're talking about here. Um, we recorded this conversation at Spire, uh, so thanks to Spire for letting us do that. And we also recorded in front of a, a small live audience of Kelsey's friends and uh, community members there. So thank you guys for coming out and for hanging out with us while we had this conversation. Maybe don't know. Maybe don't. You know, but instead being like, whoa, I have this one body and it's able to do this thing, it's not able to do that thing, but that's okay because this is who I am. You know, that's beauty to me. This is amazing. So first off, thank you guys for coming. I appreciate you guys sitting in and talking to us. I gave Kelsey the option of just doing this in private. And I didn't know what her answer was going to be, but I'm glad you decided to do it here in front of people. I think it's, I think it makes for an interesting and more fun conversation. If you guys have things you want to add or questions or whatever, just jump in at any time. You know, I'm, I'm totally open to this. It's a conversation more than anything. And I'm, I'm excited to be here. Number one, because I've heard a ton about this community. You know, I've worked with a lot of the women here and and I've just heard so much about it. So I'm excited to be here and get to meet everybody and put faces to names. And and it sort of feels like, um, I won't say part of my grieving process because I worked with Inga for a few years and I was, I was away when everything happened and didn't get to go to any of the memorials or, you know, grieve or, or party with the people who we're here, you know, and I really wanted to. So this is reaching out to Kelsey and talking to her was, was part of that process for me, you know, part of the celebration of Inga, because I know that this was something that was important to her as well. So, so this is part of it from, for me as well. So thank you guys for showing up for that. And Kelsey, I'm, I'm stoked that you said yes. You know, when I, when I first pitched the idea, you were like, I'm a writer, and I won't really get to edit what I say, so I'm not sure, but I'm really, really happy that you did, so thank you. And the reason I wanted to talk to you is because, you know, I've, I've read your blog for quite a while, um, pretty much since I first started working with Inga, I think I, I got turned on to what you were writing, and, and I think it's an important conversation. You know, your blog is thesewordslikerocks.com, right? And your series, The Work Behind the Body, is what I really want to talk about. And tell me just a, a little bit about The Work Behind the Body. What is the blog all about? What's the series all about? Yes, what is it all about? Um, I started the series featuring local women outdoor athletes because... We've witnessed recently this awesome phenomenon in media celebrating strong as the new pretty, strong as the new skinny. And that's amazing. But I was feeling personally that the the storytelling was still image centric. Sure. For women. Yeah. It was still, oh, look at these sexy abs. Look at this bodacious booty, which I love. Don't get me wrong. I, I freaking love that stuff. Do not get me wrong. Um, but as the title alludes to, I was craving the narrative of the work that went behind that body, you know, right. the internal reward system at play there. Right. And you're talking about all body types. All body types. Right. Absolutely. 
and I approached women in my community, the climbing community specifically, craving those stories of the hours spent at the gym where no one sees. Right. You know, and what drives them. Um, I crave the stories of women leaning into the potential at the crag or on the ski hill or wherever it may be, um, where no one knows about it. And I want I wanted to hear how how women related to sports on a personal uh, relationship, you know, um, and not about the the image or or the um, you know, and the, frankly, it, it felt in some ways a cultural appropriation of of that eternal reward system. Sure. So I was craving, I was craving the narrative behind that. Was there something in your own narrative or your own story that sort of prompted this line of thought or was it just seeing it, you know, become more prominent in the media? Yeah, I think I like most, if not all women have struggled with body Mm -hmm. image um, in my past and in my present where, you know, feeling I was like too tall or too skinny or insert adjective here, right? you know, and, and qualifier here. Yep. Um, and sports are a way for me <clears throat> to express my unique physicality and, and explore it. And I wanted to hear how other women were doing the same with their own physicality mm-hmm. because, you know, we're all snowflakes, but and that we're all water. Sure. You know what I, I mean? I like that, yeah. Yeah, we're all, we're all unique, but we're all, we have these commonalities. And I was craving those commonalities to find, um, find comfort in my own passage or in my own journey. Yeah. yeah. I like that you, you use the word explore there, that you're exploring your body type and what it can do, mm-hmm. you know, within this sport. I, I, I think that's really important because we tend to look at, you know, whatever it is that the media says about this is the body type you need to be able to do this. And we live by that narrative um, oftentimes. So exploring that and realizing that there's something different and that you can you can really do whatever you want with it. You just have to understand it. I think that's really important. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. How do you choose these women that you decide to talk to in the work behind the body? Yeah. How? Um, I, I wanted, I a diversity of voices mm-hmm. in the series. So I feel like in climbing media and outdoor sports media in general, there's this emphasis on professional athletes, which is understandable, of course. Sure. Yeah. But, um, while I find those narratives inspiring to some degree, I'm actually, frankly, more inspired by um, athletes who are, you know, for example, a mom and yeah. working a job yep. and yet still <sighs> excelling and still progressing. Right, right. I thrive off those stories. They yeah. fill me up in ways um, that, that, frankly, like young professional athletes don't yeah. because... Um, because it feels alienating to me when that's the stories I continuously receive. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was craving a, a diversity of stories in uh, someone pursuing their passion in a career, even if they're not per se a sponsored athlete. Yep. Um, I wanted to hear about how women were continuously progressing in their own way um, without like you know maybe growing up climbing or growing up raised to become this machine you know i was really interested in like the diverse lifestyle athlete yeah yeah i think that's i think that's really cool and i think that a lot of the public wants that yeah you know when there when there is some media about some you know badass weekend warrior mm-hmm. who has a, a full-time job and who has kids or whatever, mm-hmm. then I think that tends to get a lot of, a lot of notice from, you know, the other weekend warriors, which is by and large the, the huge percentage of 
climbing or mountain biking or, you know, any other Mm -hmm. outdoor sport, Mm -hmm. you know? So I think people really want that. You know, why do you think there's not more of that out there? I have no idea. Yeah. (laughs) I have no idea. I remember last year at Real Rocks, I left feeling like, oh, I need to be a man, like going to the Arctic Right. <laughs> right. Like, which sounds miserable. <laughs> <laughs> it no, was kind of the like, Arctic here this morning, though. <laughs> no, it was. Yeah, both is very cold. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. But, um, or, yeah, or, or like a five foot two, 95 pound right. person <laughs> to climb really hard, which both feels very unattainable at this moment. <laughs> <laughs> you you can't become five foot two no, right no, now. I would need just a little surgery. a little training would help. <laughs> just cut off the legs, doctor. I don't need them. <laughs> yeah, totally. no, no. I I have no idea why that's not happening. Honestly, like last year, there's a woman out there, and I'm ashamed to say I don't even know her name, but she's she climbed her first five fourteen when she was forty something. Mm-hmm. I want her story. Yeah. You know, I'm, reach out I'm to her, get her story. It. I know, I want it. I want to know what she did. And she's a mom and she works a job. Yeah. Like, I want her story. And that's where the series came from. I want those stories. I was craving them. Yeah. Well, I think, you know, the same way that you want her story, I think a lot of people do. And mm-hmm. I think that you're qualified to tell that story. So, you know, yeah. I just said, reach Coming out to her. Way, and woman. I. I mean that, like, <laughs> really reach out to these people and totally. and do it because you're doing yeah. a fantastic job of telling the stories of these, you know, these badass women around Bozeman and you've got a big pull to choose from, you know, there's a, a bunch of badasses here. Mm-hmm. Um, have you found like common threads that, that are the things that have, you know, shaped and molded these women into these strong outdoor athletes that they are? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's a dozen at least I would say, but a few come to mind. Um, one that was surprising is that a lot of the women didn't have regimented training plans, right? Which surprised me, mm-hmm. honestly. And a lot of the um, responses were, "I just did what felt f- right for my body." Sure, you know, if I went out and it didn't feel right, I'd just go home. Or if I go to the gym and I'm feeling strong, I'll go hard. But the next day, if I'm not, that's okay. Yep. And Do you think women are more in tune with their bodies than men? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I don't, don't know, know either. I'm just, I'm just asking what you I think. I don't know. Yeah, totally. I, I, I don't think it's a gender thing necessarily as much as a, um, a self-awareness thing in general. Okay. You know? Yep. Like, uh, how well do you actually know yourself? Yep. Um, and, but for these women in Bozeman that I interviewed, that whole intuitive training plan um, really struck a chord because it's it's not fear-driven, if that makes sense. It's not like, oh, if I don't work out, I'm not going right. to get strong. Yep. You know? And, I but have it's, to do this or else. Or else, yeah. yeah. But it was more trust in the process. Sure. You know, and I think moving past fear and into trust with the body is such a huge part of becoming your best self. Mm. Yeah. 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 I think that's really important. Um, I'm glad that you said it's not necessarily a gender thing and it's more a self-awareness thing. And that's, Mm -hmm. you know, that's something we often try to promote and try to build into the things that that we work with. It's becoming more and more what our focus is, you know, creating a a situation where athletes can learn to be more Mm self-aware. And I think you're right. I think that's, you know, if you're looking for these women who excel at whatever it is they're doing, then, then there has to be some high level of self-awareness there. And you have to be able to listen to your body and listen to your intuition and, you know, and go with that. Mm -hmm. So I think that's really important. Have there been other things that you think kind of permeate the whole cast of women you have on the, on the blog currently? You've got what, 11 or 12 right now? 11 at this moment. And there will be one more and then that'll wrap it up. Awesome. Yeah. Yes. Uh, the other thing, so each interview has a set 
amount of questions, right. starting with their training regimen. And then there's questions specific to the angle for that woman. And then ending with questions about beauty, right? you know, cause that's a huge part of it. And in asking these women, okay, what does beautiful mean to you? Or how has your sport uh, shaped your body image? One of the things, and it's cliche, but I think a lot of cliches exist because they are truths and they become cliche because no matter how many times you hear them, you can't completely absorb them yet. And that in this series being beauty comes from the inside. And yeah, okay, okay, yeah. Duh. <laughs> like, how many times have I heard that in my life? But how many times have you heard it in your life? And how many, like, how many more times will you need to hear it until we actually wrap our heads around until it? Until you get it, yeah. Totally. And, uh, you know, I imagine beauty as this, like, fire in our chest. And the more time we spend with ourselves, we add logs to that fire. And beauty doesn't actually, it doesn't matter how much, money you spend on cover-up or on um, hairspray. And don't get me wrong, I I love makeup. And you I did love some hairspray hair. in I the 80s. I did some hairspray, don't. like don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, but what I'm saying is that like no matter how, how much time you spend with that, if you don't actually spend time with your inner fire, right. you're, you're not going to have that glow. And that's what I think a lot of the women were touching in on in the interviews is that oh, I find beautiful in the person who can tell a good story. Mm-hmm. Or I find beautiful in the way that someone wears whatever the hell they want. You know, and Inga, right. like connecting back to what yeah. we were saying at the beginning, like yep. Inga's one of those people who was like, yeah, I'm going to wear dresses. <clears throat> yeah, I'm still a, a badass outdoor athlete, but the majority of her wardrobe were dresses. Right. You know, because she liked to celebrate herself in mm-hmm. that way. And so I think... Um, that was one of the common threads and thinking about beauty and same with men too, is like, it's a glow that starts from the inside and it's not a beauty that you can buy, you know, it's, um, a beauty that costs time and energy with yourself. Yeah. yeah. Are there, are there things with these women that, that you've found as like actionable things to, to stoke that fire, to yeah add logs to the fire? Self-care. Self-care, self-care. Okay, so you know? self-care. In yeah. In case you didn't get that. <laughs> no, I mean, <laughs> seriously, self-care. I mean, because, and self-care looks different for everyone. It, it Yeah, it's a day at the gym, mm-hmm. but it's also a day at home on your yoga mat doing what feels good. Right. You know, or it's in the bathtub. It's putting lotion on. Mm-hmm. And, um, and you know, like spending time with your body and just being like, Hey, whoa, ankles, you spent that whole day supporting my entire body. Whoa. That's crazy. You know, like our ankles, (laughs) 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 I sound crazy, but, but they're kind of like these magnificent (laughs) joints. (laughs) Sure. Sure. So I just think, yeah, I think it starts with self-care and, and self-care exploring what that means for you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Is you're a setter here at the gym. Oh God. And and <laughs> we settled over here today. And setting is hard work. Yeah. I, I you know, I saw you in there. I came in and chatted with you while you're hanging up there setting on the steep wall. And setting is hard. Yeah. Um before you were you setting before you kind of dug into this behind the work behind the body series? It's right around the same time. Yeah. I think I started last February. Yeah. And I started the series two months before that with okay. Becky in December. Did mm-hmm. you initially, I find a lot of setters have a hard time leaving room for self-care because they also want to be climbers. They want to train and then they're setting, which is really hard on their body. Yeah. Was it tough for you to find that space? Absolutely. Well, and I said one day a week. I mean, I have mad, mad respect for setters full time. Holy smokes. Yeah. Uh, but today I sat on the overhang one route. Woo-hoo. And afterwards I was like, okay, I'm going to climb. And then I climbed and I was like, oh, that feels really not good. And Taylor, our head setter, came up and was like, oh, we're going to go get pizza. And I'm like, 
good. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. will be there. Go get pizza. <laughs> I'm going to eat pizza yeah. and drink beer. <laughs> and that was self-care for the day. Yeah. I think that I, I trust that the work that I'm doing setting is actually playing into my larger um, workout regimen in general. Okay. Because, yeah, it's a workout. It is, for sure. Yeah. And I just think that, okay, well, I'm studying today and this is my workout and I'm okay with that because, yeah, this is actually way harder than a lot of the workouts I do. <laughs> yeah. And when I pick up a container of bolts, I try to use my you, Good glutes. form. You, good, you deadlift good it. Good form. I'm like, I yeah. am. I'm doing a <laughs> squat right now. <laughs> this is... This is a squat for the ages. Yep. <laughs> well, you know, good job, Taylor, for going out for pizza and beer. You know, I think that's, I think that's huge, really. You know, especially in this sport when you're trying to perform and you want to be the best climber you can. Oftentimes, we tend to deprive ourselves of, of those things, you know. And, you know, I think I'm excellent at self-care because i eat a lot of pizza and drink a lot of beer but <laughs> but but seriously i think that's an important thing mm -hmm. and i'm i'm glad you take advantage of that mm -hmm. and that you leave yourself the space to take advantage of that mm -hmm. and that's something you see throughout these women as they leave themselves space to you know for time for self-care mm -hmm. absolutely cool yeah do you think there's something about this community in particular about you know why is it so easy to find a dozen badass women all here at the same gym who are getting outside, doing amazing things, pushing themselves. Is it something about this gym or this community or Bozeman in general? What do you think it is? You know, that is an awesome question. <clears throat> and so true. There is something about it. And I take it for granted. You know, we had a couple of good friends move back from Austria lately. And one of the first things they said is, it's amazing that I can find a dozen women who want to go out and climb and are excited to go outside, you know, whereas where they were coming from, it wasn't that way. Right. And so, <clears throat> I mean, there, there are more communities like Bozeman, I know, but I think I have a hypothesis and I am not. I don't know if there's any scientific evidence behind it, but doesn't need to be. I'm I'm interested to hear. <laughs> right, right. So I think that maybe one of the reasons why Bozeman breeds badass athletes is that we're still relatively obsolete. I mean, I know Bozeman's exploding in growth. Uh, I mean, I know because I grew up here and it's doubled in population since I graduated high school. Sure. But we're. I think we're still immune from. Um, the pressures of like, and I, I don't know, of, of corporate sponsorship. Mm -hmm. I think, I don't think a lot of the, the athletes here. It's still a pretty small pond. I know it is a small pond, but there are stronger athletes here. Like Inga, Inga is like the perfect example. Inga grew up in Bozeman. She was literally w probably one of the strongest, most talented athletes in yeah. the nation. Yeah, I mean, Jonathan Segris, BJ Tilden, myself, we yeah. all called her you know, the future of women's climbing. We but all she, believed that. But she was like, psh, psh, whatever. Yeah. You know, she gave, yep. she gave zero Fs about that. And I think <clears> that's <throat> part of growing up in Bozeman is because uh, Montana, I mean, it is growing in population, but it still is pretty wild in a lot of ways. And I think part of that is we don't have, we're not Boulder, you know, right. and no offense, Boulder, sorry. <laughs> but, <laughs> <laughs> but like, but we don't, we don't have a whole lot of like emphasis on like sponsorship. You don't, right. you're not going to talk to like the, the female athletes here and they're not going to talk about their sponsors, you right. know? They're going to just be going out and doing their thing because it's a gorgeous place to go out and do your thing. And it's not about like securing a sponsorship. It's about like exploring your athletic potential in these amazing, beautiful landscapes. Yeah, totally. That's my theory. I'm not sure if it's true or not. Well, I have something I think I can add to your theory. And you know, I just recently moved to Lander, Wyoming. And one of the things that really drew me there the very first time I visited um, that, that brought me back was that 
the the community of women there is so strong you know and i was lucky enough to be emily tilden is the the first person who reached out to me and brought me to town and then i connected with amy skinner and becca skinner when i was there and that led to meeting all these amazing women you know and they're all so strong and independent and and i love to see it and part of what i see happening there is this i don't necessarily want to call it a matriarchy or something but there's there are these women of a whole different generation who were badasses 50 years ago and are still badasses you know and they're there and they sort of create this example and then the the up and coming women see that and they want to be like those badass women and and that just keeps growing and keeps growing in this you know this big pyramid of of women you know the new generation these teenagers that are coming up and are super independent and super strong are really cool to see and there's a bunch of them you know and i you know i met one of the women from your series tonight um older woman Kristen is that her name oh, yeah yep. yeah yeah i met her tonight and had a short conversation with her and i think that you know she's one of those people she's been here and been doing first ascents and been a badass for a long time mm -hmm. and i think having that role model is super super helpful mm -hmm. you know and and i think i see that trickling down i think mm -hmm. maybe that's what it is you know it's yeah. this trickle down effect that that's created by these badasses from many years ago yes so, exactly yeah her interview is one of my favorite because she did grow <clears throat> up here in bozeman or grew up here as a climber, I should say, before women were really even climbing. Right. You yeah. know, I mean, they were, but not to the degree they are now, uh, which is part of like larger, um, a larger trajectory of women feeling empowered. Yeah. But her interview is one of my favorites because she... She's a little feisty. She's a little feisty. It was pretty cool, I yeah. I love that. <laughs> yep. And she's also decided at one point, you know what? Like competition climbing wasn't for me. Right. And I'm just going to go out and try to get FAs in these mm -hmm. wild places. Yeah. And I do think that is part of the Bozeman ethos in some ways. I do. Yeah. I mean, go out and compete. That's awesome. Go out and get sponsored. Hell yeah. You do it. But part of the Bozeman ethos too is like, well, let's remember how wildness is part of who we are here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Go out and do the things as yeah. well. You know, that's, that's actually something I've, Inga and I used to have these conversations all the time because she really wanted to compete, but she also really wanted to just go out and bolt roots and go into the mountains. And, you know, she, she was constantly having this battle between mm -hmm. do I continue to compete or not? You know, and I think Becky is a little bit in the same boat. Mm -hmm. um, I've been working with Becky for a while and she battles back and forth with it as well, you mm -hmm. know, especially as the competition game changes. Yeah. And, and, you know, from Kristen to Inga and, and some of the other women, you know, you've, you've talked to a bunch of different, ages mm -hmm. you know are you seeing any sort of you know timeline or evolution that happens things mm. that you know the younger girls are just starting to understand and then maybe it's a little more you know built in by the time they're they're older women mm -hmm. well one of the things that's been most rewarding about the series for me personally so i recently turned 30 Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking, oh, before I turn 30, I need to do all these things because after 30, it's all going to go to shit. Right. Can't do it. Can't do it anymore <laughs> once I'm 30. And, <laughs> and one of the most rewarding things from these, from the series is seeing how women 30s, 40s, 50s, even 60s are, whoa, age, like age is a limit just in the same way gender can be. And it's just about shifting paradigm. Right. You know, and I think that's been one of the most powerful things from the series is recognizing that progression isn't something that necessarily plateaus, but it just changes shape. 
and age is an invitation to um, to explode preconceptions of what's possible, you know? Yeah. Um, and no, maybe you're not able to train now five, six days a week, but the training that you do, you do, the training that you're able to do is more intentional because you have the experience to make it so. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it's just a, a growth like everything mm-hmm. else is. And, yeah. and we have to be okay with that. I think that's, I think that's really important to understand. And I think having those role models up there, you know, like Kristen, you know, like Amy Skinner, uh, I think it's really important to have those role models so you can see that 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 growth does happen, mm-hmm. you know, and it doesn't have to be constant competition or whatever, that there's there are other ways to be happy and be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And it connects back to that earlier conversation about how, um, a lot of the the median storytelling is around young athletes, and I think that it's just as important to remember that, like, yeah, age maybe you're not able to climb five fifteen, mm-hmm. but you're still able to um, <clears throat> progress. And I think that's what we're all craving is yeah, just the, that's why we do this thing the permission you know. to progress and and the. Um, the paradigm shift in understanding that, oh, I am capable of progressing. Right. This is something that my body is capable of doing. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And you just said, you know, something my body is capable of doing. And you, you also just brought up our earlier comments about the media and what it shows. And, and you were noticing this shift into, you know, strong is the new skinny. Mm-hmm. And I want to dig into this, you know, body image a little bit and or maybe a lot and it's going to be a a struggle for me you know it's not something i fully understand um you know maybe it's a a privileged thing that i've never i've never struggled with my own body image you know it's it's gone in waves for sure but it's not something i've ever struggled with so so i have a harder time understanding and i'm aware that it exists and i i want to understand it better so you know, if we can, let's just dig into it and you can help me struggle along through it a little bit, if that's okay. You know, where, where do you think it starts? Where does the, you know, having issues or having a negative body image, where do you think that starts? It is visually surrounding us every single day. Sure, media, images everywhere. Yeah. Every single day television shows, billboards, magazines. <clears throat> we are constantly fed the idea of what is beautiful. And right. it is skinny and it has great boobs. And these days it has a great butt. Yeah. <laughs> butt <laughs> implants, anyone? <laughs> and, and it's overwhelming for because like we're constantly worrying about calories. I'm still worrying about calories right. today, yep. you know? And it's still something I have to have a conversation with myself about of like, no, it's like you can eat this pizza and you're going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And, um, and even with climbing, we see it all the time, like, oh, you got to stay really thin. I think it's extremely prevalent in, in climbing, climbing, you know, Absolutely. especially when I started climbing, I think it was more so. You know, it was in the 90s, it was very much a, a taboo conversation. You know, uh, a lot of the listeners of this podcast know that I used to be, and I guess still am to some degree, a rapper. And I used to make these like parody songs about climbing and, you know, just for the fun of it. And I had made some comments about Katie Brown and they weren't mean spirited and I wasn't even really aware that there was an an issue with her weight. I didn't realize that she was having issues. Mm-hmm. I thought she was just a skinny little girl. You know, it never occurred to me that there was a problem. Mm-hmm. And I, I made these comments, and and she got a hold of me and was like super pissed off. You know, <laughs> very angry at me. Didn't want to talk to me anymore. And I'm like, whoa! I didn't even know. You yeah. know, and that was really my first inkling that it was more prevalent than I thought, mm. you know, that I'd heard about it. I, I'd actually heard about it more with men than with women at the time. Mm. And, 
and then it's right there in front of me, someone that I'm friends with, mm-hmm. you know, and I wasn't even aware. So, and I've since realized that a lot of my friends have had these issues that I didn't know about. Yeah. How can we recognize in our friends, partners, you know, the, the people, the, the women that I work with, the men that I work with, how can I recognize that they're having that sort of issue? How can you personally? Well, I feel like you as well as And is it important for me too? Well, okay. So my personal story with weight was that I was a basketball player and I played in college for a little bit. Mm -hmm. And when I quit college basketball because of a shoulder injury, I started working at Coldstone Creamery. (laughs) 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 And we get a free pint every shift. Oh, man. Um, So (laughs) I weighed 40 more pounds than I did now. (laughs) And which is like whatever. But it wasn't whatever. I was depressed. I wasn't sure who I was. You weren't happy with it. When I wasn't a college athlete. And I um, ate a whole um, Albertsons cake one night (laughs) 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 i know it's hilarious (laughs) yes if i I just have to ask if you were going to eat a whole cake why albertson's i don't know because they had like really great frosting it was walking distance (laughs) from the dorms (laughs) (laughs) okay okay and so this is all to say that i would fluctuate 30 or 40 pounds at a time right and it took me and it was always fear driven and it wasn't until I discovered climbing and discovered a desire to just be fit. Yeah. You know, there's <clears throat> such a difference between wanting to be skinny and wanting to be fit. Totally. It's yeah. a huge That's a difference. pretty big distinction to make. Yeah. And I think it relates to climbing still where it's like, yeah, like let's eat good food, you know, and sometimes you eat an entire pizza and that's okay. <laughs> but most of the time you probably eat salads and you drink smoothies and you know we're all or like a lot of us are serious athletes and we love our sport and we do it for the love of it right um and i think that's the relationship to food that i'm striving for more and more and as women in general and the series in general is is seeking to encourage and inspire is that let's think about our bodies as these tools for self exploration Mm -hmm. rather than these enemies against perfection. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's let's feed it. What feed these bodies, what they need to best express themselves and to feel good. And that place of love rather than the place of fear of like, I'm never going to be skinny, so I'm going to eat this entire pie. <laughs> right. You know, or this pint of ice cream, yep. which is where I was before. And now it's like, oh, I want to be my best self. So I'm going to eat a salad because that's what my body really needs right now. And I love my body and I want it. I'm on the same team as my body mm-hmm. rather than I hate my body. <clears throat> it's not going to ever do what it needs for me. So I'm going to eat this shit food because I feel shitty. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you just, you just brought up something really interesting. I hadn't thought about, um, like I said, I, I have never personally struggled with it. And, but my grandmother who made shit food, like she cooked Southern crappy food all the time, you know, and it was delicious and I would eat way too much of it, but it was just not good for me ever. And, as I got more serious about climbing, I would eat less of her food. I was still eating plenty of food, but just not her food. And she would often say to me, you're getting too skinny. You need to eat, you know. And I wasn't getting skinnier. I was I was gaining weight a lot of the time, you know, but it was muscle. And her view of what, uh, you know, at that point a 35-year-old man should look like was not fit. I should look like I've got some meat on me, you know? And I imagine something like that, someone saying those things, if I had, you know, struggled with this, could be, you know, a problem or a trigger or I don't know. Um, And I want to make sure that I'm not doing anything or saying anything as a coach or as a partner or as a significant other or whatever that's causing someone to to struggle more 
You know, is there, is there a way I can check myself? Are there things I can think about, things I can make sure I'm not saying that might be common for people to say? Yeah, <laughs> I have a really embarrassing story. Um, so someone that was close to me was about to get married. And I was in this like wedding frenzy because so many of my friends were getting married and the conversation around it a lot was like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to try to lose five pounds for my wedding. And so I was like, Oh, this is like a conversation piece. That's completely normal. And <laughs> I'm so embarrassed, but like this person was talking to me about getting married and I was like, Oh, so are you like going to try to lose weight for the wedding? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> because that chronic That's what everybody does. syndrome yeah. was oh, at no. large at the moment. And, <laughs> and her face just went slack because she's like, I could see the internal wheels spinning of like, do I need to lose weight? What is she trying to say to me? That was really fucked up. Sorry. Excuse no, me. yeah. You can bleep that say out. Say it all you want. Um, There's no bleeping on this podcast. And I was mortified. <laughs> so, like, that's just all to say that you're probably going to say the wrong thing sometimes, as we all do, or as I do. But more than anything, I think now my assumption always when I try to interact with people is assuming that everyone has their own body image story. Mm -hmm. You know? Yep. And this person was beautiful. <clears throat> she, you know, the, in my head, she had no reason whatsoever to lose weight. It was just something that people always talked about. Right. And yet she too had her own issues mm -hmm. as we all probably do. Even men. It meant, not even, but men too. Men, right. women, sure. we are all fed images <clears throat> continuously of yep. what we should look like. Yep. And so I think when we can approach one another from the assumption that we all have our own body image sensitivities, you know, starting the conversation from that point, because you with Katie Brown was like, oh, this woman is fit. She's thin. She has nothing at all that she's concerned about. Right. Right. And I'd heard the talk. Like I'd heard people saying Katie Brown's anorexic or whatever. And I'm like, no, she's not. She's just a skinny little girl you yeah. know that's okay there's no problem with that and i made a joke and it was the wrong joke exactly you know so, so. just assuming mm. and like coming from that place of compassion and then also coming from a place of trying to encourage one another to find that self-love and just be like mm -hmm. hey like eat the food that your body craves if you're craving a pizza let's do it because yeah. you probably need that fat at that moment yeah totally yeah. And, and that comes back to being salad. aware and listening, you know, being able yeah. to listen to your body and leave space for that. Yeah. So. Yeah. But then there's points where you're emotionally craving a food and, you know, and at some point it's just beyond your realm because mm -hmm. uh, like, how can you say to someone, Hey, like maybe you shouldn't eat that pizza because that's not going to athletically um, benefit you. But in that moment, that person's eating fat because they're not getting emotional fat from something, right. you know, or emotional yep. buoyancy from something else. Yeah, they're trying and to replace something they're missing. And it's beyond your realm. And at that point, it's just accepting your limits with relating to another person, com practicing compassion for yourself and being like, well, I'm just not always going to have the answer for someone else. And sometimes that's even harder. It's that's just really accepting, hard. Yeah. like, I do not have the answers for this person. I have to just <clears> hold space for his or her process. Yeah. And accept that, like, I do not have the answers. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. And, you know, as a coach, that's something I struggle with for sure because mm -hmm. people look to me to have the answers. And, mm -hmm. you know, I may not have them. I often don't have them. Mm -hmm. And and I want to. I want to, I want to help, you know. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you're right. The best help is just holding that space, you know, giving them space to work through it and just being there and being available while they work through it. Mm -hmm. You know, I think that's, that's hugely important. Um, just like climbing mm. is a skill. So is like that self-awareness and self-intuition. Absolutely. And like, Oh, just listen to your body. Eat salad when you want pizza when you want It's you know, it's like a little off the cuff and it's the ideal. Yeah. 
but there's so many of us and so many times where we just we're we don't really know what we need we don't really know i i didn't eat anything for two weeks after inga died right you know i like i did not know i had no idea what i needed you know and there's just those times where we're just we just don't know what we need and that's okay too yeah you know and like now I'm like, oh, that's okay. But in the moment I was like, why am I so effed up? <laughs> you know, I'm like, I am like so blah, blah, blah. It's like, I think the real life, it's just a freaking life process again and again. Like it's just a life process of learning. Hey, what do I need? And how can I give it to myself? And climbing for me is like such an intimate exploration of that. You know, it's just another, um, pathway in my life journey to to learn more about what i need and how i can give it to myself yeah Yeah. do you think the writing that you do is a part of that as well because i you know i'm thinking about the piece that you wrote after inga died Mm -hmm. and i shared it and it got shared around the internet quite a bit and and i was happy that one that people were reading your writing and two that you know it was a really accurate representation of Inga you know and and it seems to me that you are good at really looking deeper into things and and capturing the you know whatever the beauty is of that moment or of that person Um, do you think that's a part of that process for you like going through the writing and and looking deeper into those things yeah, that was a really interesting microscope on my relationship to writing and my relationship to life. Because uh, Inga's death was the first of its kind in my life. Yeah. And um, I've been a chronic journaler my whole life. Um, it w- I was a target of bullying growing up. <laughs> you know, right. I was like a stick and I had eczema and crazy white hair, you know? So, uh, writing was a way for me to cope with social alienation. Right. And, um, and so it's always been a tool for me to explore emotional trauma. And Inga's piece that I wrote was part of that, but it was also part because I was feeling very defensive of my, one of my best friends. You know, I was feeling very defensive of her. And, you know, her and Hayden were um, in some ways celebrities, I guess, in the climbing world or whatever. Right. And their story became widespread. And I was a little bit uncomfortable with how it was propagating across sure, the bandwidth. That it was reported by some places as Hayden Kennedy and his girlfriend. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, and that I was feeling triggered by that. Yeah. And, and we so both that, know that Hayden would have Hayden wouldn't he have hated it. He would have hated it. it. Yeah, that's not he how he would have said it. Shit. Yeah, he wouldn't have wanted to he be on the internet it. at all. Oh my goodness but, gracious. <clears throat> he would have been so pissed and uncomfortable with what's happened. But that's beyond the point. And with that whole process, I feel like it was a really strange, interesting experience where I wrote that because I wanted, um, uh, I wanted to like, in some ways, I don't know, defend my friend. And that seems really ridiculous, but I, that's frankly the place I was coming from. And I also, um, it was a way for me to process my own grief, but sure. it was strange in the aftermath because I wrote it and shared it for the community. Right. here in Bozeman for the people who knew Inga and Lander, um, her, her close buddies. <clears throat> and, um, and then all of a sudden it did, as you said, get, get shared a lot. It like went, I don't know if virals the right adjective, but it definitely got shared more than any of my other work ever before. And it was an invitation for, uh, people I didn't even know, uh, into this like really raw place I was in. Yeah. And it was, a, it was strange. I'm not going to lie about it. It was, um, it wasn't what I needed at the moment, frankly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I hope w- one of the beautiful things that did come from it was that I, I do know that it helped people better understand Inga 
and better process their own grief. And I guess that's the beauty of writing and largely why I write is to, to create bridges in that way. Yeah. But yeah, it was that this whole thing, you know, and we're still feeling it really deeply here in Bozeman. I know they are down in Lander and, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I appreciate that you wrote it. You know, I was, I was kind of reeling from the whole thing myself at the time. And, and I had, I had kept from posting on the internet about it. Um, even after the story broke and everyone was talking and I, and I went through the same thing. I could feel myself being a little bit angry, a little bit defensive, um, angry at the people who didn't know either of them and were wanted to be the first on the internet to say, you know, that this happened. They wanted to be the first to post about it. And some of my friends did that and they had never met either of them. And I'm, and I found myself pretty angry and then a little defensive over the, you know, the way it was being reported by some of the media outlets. And, but then your piece really did a great job of, of capturing the essence of those two. And I think that's, I think that's what I really appreciated about it. So, so I appreciate that you let that raw place go out there and that you let people into it, you know? And I think that's not a lot different from what you're doing with the work behind the body and what these women who talk to you are doing, you know, this is, that's a tough conversation for a lot of people to have and, and they're doing it and they're talking about it openly. And, and I would suggest anyone listening to, you know, go to these words like rocks.com and find the work behind the body series and, and share it. You know, I think it's a, it's a really great look into how we can get past one of these things that in climbing is really prevalent and, and tough to get past. And we're always going to struggle with it, right? It's going to be a, a part of this sport forever. It's going to be a part of life forever, but there are some things in there. There's some takeaways for how we can be healthier, how we can have a more positive body image, how we can explore what it is our bodies can do. You know, you, there's a question in your, in your interviews. Um, I think it's the third to last question. You always ask, what does beautiful mean to you? And you gave us a really great idea of what beauty is to you. You know, and I think that's a great image of this fire and you're adding logs to it. And I was going to ask you, what does beauty mean to you? And you've already answered it. So I kind of want to know, what do you, how do you recognize beauty in someone else? Like you've, you've chosen these women because they have that, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you can see it in a lot of the people in this gym and you surround yourself with people like that. How do you recognize it? How do you see it? Yeah, great question. I so I recently had an experience where I was working with um, Big Sky Youth Empowerment, which works with like at-risk youth, and there was this woman there or this young girl, young woman, and she was talking about like how how men approach her and would say, oh, like, you're cute, like, and how that's, like, an invitation for that woman to be, like, oh, thank you, like, let's, like, let's hang out sort of thing. And it wasn't necessarily that part of what she was saying, but just her in general. She had these amazing curves, you know. She just had these amazing curves, Mm -hmm. and and she dressed in this way that spoke of, like, I – am cute right right. (laughs) like duh yeah you know and and i just remember watching her and she's writing her graduation speech from this program and thinking that that young woman is beautiful and it struck me in that moment where beauty is that non-apologetic way of holding the self Mm. you know and mm. and it's not a daily thing some days we just wake up and we don't 
we just don't feel good. We don't like, right. we don't like who we are. Yeah. And those days just freaking happen and we hold space for them and we're like, wow, this is a part of me that's like probably formed in fifth grade when people were making fun of my eczema rash, you know, I was like, <laughs> Oh, I'm like, like, I love you. I'm sorry you feel this way. You know, just holding space for that voice. That's like, yeah, I really don't like myself right now, but beauty to me is those days when you see yourself and you're like, I am cute. I am awesome. Holy smoke. I'm this beautiful snowflake. <laughs> Yeah. You know, <laughs> honestly, honestly, honest to goodness, like those moments when we can really see ourselves as like the magnificent, unique creatures we are. Yeah. And that woman that day, that young woman in this program who, you <clears throat> know, being in this program probably went through hell. Sure. Like, like she's in that program because she did not have the stable home yeah. that many of us are gifted with you know she hasn't felt that way every day she did not feel that way every day it took a lot of freaking work yep to get there and it comes back to that fire idea but it's like beauty to me is that that woman who's like yeah i am cute here's my crop top and that's my (laughs) belly too like there's my belly (laughs) like get over it and and I wasn't ever like, wow, that girl's like not dressing the way she should be dressing for her body type. I was like, whoa, she is wanting her goods and I love it. She's and owning it. She's owning it. Yeah. I think that's beauty. It's like owning who you are. I mean, like, yeah, I am really tall. Like, get over it. Or yeah, I am kind of like curvy. Or yep. yeah, I am really short, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, like, oh, this is like the body that the universe was decided that I'm going to hold for this life. Can, I mean, that's the thing about Inga's death more than anything. That's like really woken me up. Is like, we, we literally have these one bodies. Like we go through our life and we have these, this one body and then we're going to die and our energy is going to leave. And it's depending on your belief for me, I think like, you know, like our Mm -hmm. energy is released and then we turn into something else because no energy is wasted, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, why not be like, whoa, like this is my body. Holy, yeah. like, holy smokes. This is like who I am in this lifetime. Like, why am, Why should I shame away from this? Yeah. Why spend time wishing for something else? Well, why? Yeah. And, but, but so many <laughs> cultural narratives of like, you should, you need to go buy stuff to make you feel better about that. Like really subpar body you got. Yeah. You know, but instead being like, whoa, I have this one body and it's able to do this thing. It's not able to do that thing, but that's okay because this is who I am. Mm -hmm. You know, that's beauty to me is being able to get to that place. And it's not a place that we can stay in. I don't think. No, I agree. I think it's a place that we visit and the more practice we have, the more often we can visit it. Yeah. You know, like beauty is a place of mine. Cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really great. I think that's really beautiful. I think that's a really great way to look at it. So, so I appreciate that. And I, I'm a little upset that this is just a podcast because if people could see your facial expressions while you're talking, <laughs> it would be I'm absolutely amazing. <laughs> and I love it. But again, thank you a ton for sitting down with me. And thank you guys for coming and listening. And I just, I really appreciate the conversation and appreciate that you were willing to do it. So thanks, Kelsey. No, thank you for holding the space, for doing what you do. No problem. No, that was great. That was great. Huge thanks to the Bozeman community out there at Spire for for being so welcoming and and for coming and hanging out with us and and sitting down and just for making Nate and I's visit so so great. Um, I'm looking forward to making it back to hang out with you guys some more. Um, and thanks to Kelsey for sitting down with me and working through this conversation. Um, I know it's you know, it's tough. She's put a lot of thought into this, and I'm I'm just bumbling through it. So I appreciate her working with me and and having this conversation because it's it's big and i think it's important um and and maybe most of all thanks to kelsey for her words um again go to kelseycasather.com 
please check out the tribute to Inga Perkins and also the work behind the body and sign up for Kelsey's newsletter. Um, Sounds like she's got some exciting things coming. Don't forget, if you're looking for things from Power Company Climbing, physical products that we can mail to you, um, if you're looking for anything from Rhino Skin Solutions or from Tension Climbing, go start this episode back over, get those codes, uh, go get some things before December 15th. That's when they run out. Uh, also, you can find us in Knoxville at Onsite Rock Gym on the 5th for our group session, the 7th for our Applied Body Tension Workshop, and you can find us at powercompanyclimbing.com. You can find us on the interwebs all over the place, on the Instagrams, the Facebooks, and the Pinterests. Um, I guess not technically all over the place because you won't find us on the Twitters. We don't tweet. We scream like eagles. This time, 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 this This time the bill. 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 This time the b